What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Steel Summit Podcast, where we interview people doing big things in the indoor climbing world. Today's guest is Levi Dudley. Levi was most recently the head setter at Triangle Rock Club in Richmond, Virginia, but has now stepped into the freelance world and runs his own company called Effect Setting. That's spelled A-E-F-F-E-C-T. You can find him on Instagram at Effect Setting. His business was formerly known as Not Dead Yet Setting, which you'll hear him mention in the interview, but he rebranded during the editing process. Levi and I sit down and talk about the current climate of route setting as a profession, discuss some cool ideas for the future of route setter education, and much more. So without further delay, enjoy the interview. Conversations. Yesterday, I actually talked to uh, Ian from Kilter yesterday. I know you were just out there. With yeah, them. I did some stuff over there with him and heard about his story in route setting, and I got to share a little bit of mine, and it was pretty cool to just kind of network and hear how another person got into route setting and how they've come so far. Yeah, I'm interested in a lot of stuff they've got going on over there. We, uh, our entire first set is going to be kilter holds. Very so cool. We, yeah, we got like a bunch of, I just like the aesthetics of having a lot of stuff set with the same lines and same brand and everything just right. to start. But so, but yeah, I, uh, I just kind of started this to start giving people a platform to kind of, talk about things going on in climbing in general. And okay. uh, I know I've actually climbed on a whole lot of your routes. So, nice. Uh, well, that's uh, cool yeah, to I'd, hear. We're at, I've we, been all over. Uh, really. at, at Triangle, we met one time. Uh, okay. You were actually setting the Halloween set. <laughs> and uh, that was a good, it was like one of your last ones. Week. And yeah, me and my buddy were in there in like the smaller rope room. Okay. Uh, and you were just you were just joking around with me and my buddy for a minute, and I think you talked to us while we were upstairs as well. Nice, uh, but yeah, I just I didn't even realize I didn't know who you were at the time. We were just I think you said something about picking a project and finding something above our grade and trying to stick with it. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, I always try to like help inspire the community because I mean, if the route setters don't do it, who's gonna do it? Yeah. So what do you got going on now? Are you still setting? Are you, I know you're, are you starting to do some freelance setting? Yeah. So I'm kind of playing around on the freelance setting side of things right now, uh, looking for a more full-time position that I can then develop a, um, more or less a educational program for root setting. Um, that's going to basically entail like bringing people into the industry a little bit easier in my mind versus like simply being a climber first and like, well, first I think you need to be a climber first, but like, instead of obsessing in a climbing gym for a long period of time and then just like, okay, cool. Like these guys are doing stuff that looks fun. Like, let me jump in on that. And I want like people of color and women to completely immerse the industry to create a more inclusive environment for just customers as well. Because when you go into a facility and you see someone that you can uh, relate to, you're going to feel a lot more comfortable where you are. Uh, and that's just like human nature. Uh, so yeah, that's my next goal coming up here in the next couple months. Uh, it's just going to take some time to really iron out the back end details to get like a actual program out there. Yeah, we were, uh, I was talking with Ian yesterday about like, potentials for just we were talking about a bunch of different ideas but uh just a potential for something like an actual because i know jackie runs the route setting institute and it's right. sort of a, a group and they have like a whole program but an actual a physical route setting institute like where you can have a spot for people to come train to learn to route set and 
on top of that, you know, you could just attach it to, or not attach it to, but like attach it to an existing gym uh, with the membership. So you can at least cover some costs on that end. Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to have a f- space like that. Yeah, because you could also, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, like, there's somewhere all the teams around here all travel to all the other gyms and they all mm-hmm. constantly need something new. So I think if you tied it in as well with that, where they could always come in and train on the new stuff that's being set with right. people. Uh, train so there's a bunch of different like combinations you kind of do but i think it uh it could it could go for like the industry could go for an actual space for people to come learn to set and have a i mean i think it's big enough at this point there's enough yeah. gyms that have enough setters that need to learn where like if they put it into their budget you can start there's probably i think there's over a thousand gyms at this point in the u.s so wow nice uh, i mean someone told me i think i've read 700 somewhere yeah and there's at least going to be like 20 something more built this year most likely yeah i mean if not probably more than that i mean there's uh a couple there's two in northern virginia they're right. building right now so uh it's always gonna there's always a need right now and i think they're popping gyms up faster than they can produce the tools necessary to do the job because like yeah you can go out to the hardware store and buy everything but you can't just like buy a root setter especially one that's competent and understanding of movement and equitability equitability so like uh basically like this theory of like athletic empathy like understanding what individuals are capable of doing at different stages of their climbing journey and giving them something that's going to challenge them just enough so that they want to come back and like succeed at that challenge and then do that for like every single grade range that you can provide and body type because i think like generalized setting of in a commercial setting for like one route to be for everyone really isn't realistic because like you and I are different body types, like, um, Sally and Mary down the road are completely different body types. So you like understanding like how to create something that's going to create excitement for these people. So, uh, for example, when I was working for triangle at one point I was playing with this idea and I set a route, uh, that, got like 510 and for me I was climbing on it like extremely extremely extended so like almost hopping between hold and hold but I designed it specifically because we had members that were in our gym many of them who would get on routes and feel like they were skipping moves or not climbing to the full like ability of a climber so I gave them this like different route and they found a lot of success and had a lot of fun just like feeling like they were pulling what are normal size moves for, uh, an average sized climber where they are like over six foot close to seven foot in some cases, and just like climbing up the wall, they do it in half the moves, but that doesn't matter. They're getting the experience that I want to provide for myself, but to their body type. And then like I've worked in youth comps, so I've really set for like the smallest individuals now up to some like really, really, really tall people just for fun. And it's cool to see people's reaction on the stuff that I get to create. That's uh, It's got to be tough setting for, I mean, people from three and a half feet tall all the way up to six, five. Like, Yeah, it takes a lot of planning for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't just show up and be like, hey, you know, we're going to do it. Like I'm talking weeks, sometimes months of planning to get some things in order where you want like the best quality product on the wall. And it's like as the sport 
grows and not even, I guess one of the major themes I've been kind of seeing is the split between like the commercial end of things and the sport end of things. Cause there's people that want to train to be in the Olympics or like at least try. And mm-hmm. there's people that want to come in there for a birthday party. And it's really tough to have stuff on the walls for both. So like I've kind of seen, uh, one thing I was talking about with someone yesterday is I think the, the industry is going to start being better off going smaller than it is. Get Like you can't just keep building bigger and bigger gyms to try to accommodate all of those people in one building. Whereas you could build, specific training facilities that are meant for like just people that want to come train to start learning to climb better and then have Mm -hmm. facilities separate for people that are going to do birthday parties and commercial end of things and have a much lower grade range there versus the other. Like I know there are already some gyms up in like uh, the, you know, the bigger climbing areas that exist like that, but there's still, everyone's still trying to accommodate everybody because I think the industry is still growing, but I think it's growing so fast that eventually you're just not going to be able to. So I think that I like that concept. I, I mean, I've seen the comp setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I've seen the comp setting is completely, there's, uh, I talked to the guys at peak and they said they have a hard time sometimes keeping enough stuff on the walls for the kids to yeah. challenge them because they have to meet everybody's needs, but they're always trying to throw up new comp routes on the comp wall because they need to keep them training. And it's like, they almost need a separate space to do that in a really high turnover rate is something that like kind of solves that. By simply giving people like a lot of new stuff a lot of the time. Uh, but what that does is that degrades your route setters' physical abilities and mental creative abilities because they're simply just getting burnt out is the the like the simple fact of it. So like and if you don't have competent route setters, you're gonna just get product that's not as sound and fun to play on. And that's kind of why I'm thinking that this like brick and mortar location where you can like teach route setting, like continuously to new people and send them out into the commercial route setting world to like work at almost any climbing gym afterwards with their skills and understandings of simply how to use the tools. First of all, because when I started route setting, I was basically just given a drill and expected to know how to use it. And I have, made the same mistake when teaching others and what that has done for me is basically come full circle and understanding like so how how can i make this teaching better for someone else that i want to bring into the industry and i've got a whole list of things as far as like how we can structure this how we can bring people in is probably my next big task of trying to figure out up here because like how are we going to find the people that really want to do this and would commit like a career to it? And simply you look at like what climbing gyms are offering route setters as far as pay these days. And it's like, unless you're like doing simultaneous jobs other than route setting, um, such as like working the front desk, being a youth coach, uh, being a part-time manager, being a full-time manager, um, or you're being a, like a, a head setter or a director, you're not really making ends meet to like pay for all of the things that you need to have as a root setter, as far as like recovery time, um, supplements. Honestly, I eat a lot of food and I'm sure other root setters out there do too. Um, and so like these expenses kind of add up when you're looking at some businesses out there that are like paying their route setters minimum wage, And I think that's something that should slightly change here in the next few years, if not sooner, 
so that you can retain more people to create better employees. I think it's going to have to change. I don't think that I've said this a couple of times on the show with different people and like everyone in the industry agrees that like the, the walls are just, they're just architecture without holds on them. Like you can't do, you can't climb T nuts. So like, I mean, if you're Brooke rabbit too, you can, but like, yeah, I guess someone shoved their little fingers in there, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I like, it's the product. I mm. mean, I'm like, as I'm doing this whole process with getting a gym open, it's like, that is, if I don't have routes on the wall, I don't have, there's nothing I can do. So it's like, mm. and that is, I mean, like I used to work in, I've worked in food for a long time. And like right. at the end of everything, no matter what you do, like it, it all comes down to the food on the plate that you send out to somebody. Exactly. And that's what Matt, like, so. I mean, I'm a cook for a climbing gym. Yeah, like yeah. if you have the prettiest gym in the world, mm -hmm. no one's gonna want to come if your routes suck. And like, exactly. It's, and especially if they're not changing over. I mean, I had to after you left, I stopped going there as much because the um, routes weren't turning over as fast. They, I mean, of course, that's probably natural with trying to figure out how to like get another team in place. All that exactly. stuff. But it's like, I just I couldn't. I, I went a few times. It was the same stuff on the walls, and I was like, man, I can't. I'm going to go, I got to go somewhere else and get some new climbing in. Cause I can't find that motivation 10 times. So just the same old, same old, like something that really changes outdoor climbing is the fact that you're outside, you're in nature, you've got like bright blue skies, sunshine, warming you up. And you're out there with like your buddies, your best friends, your partners that you choose to be with. And that's what keeps outdoor climbing so much fun. When you can go into the gym and you've consumed everything that's there it's hard to really kind of motivate yourself as um, someone getting into the sport to continue trying those same things over and over again, because it honestly to them, it would get boring and turn into training and training. Well, it's not fun, but it's effective. So some people yeah. don't want to train and we have to understand that as route setters and some people do. So like trying to cater to both of these markets and basically just understand who the customers are that you're trying to serve at your gym. And if you figure that out, then you can figure out how everything needs to be structured on your walls. Like it's, it's that simple, understand your market and you'll be able to sell good food. I do think that there's a, a big lack of, I guess, communication from like, and there's not really, I guess, a lot of, available ways to do it of getting communication from like how do they like the routes how are people when you climb up you climb down what was that out of 10 like how we're not i don't think there's really a way to get that feedback necessarily at the moment and uh i think that's one thing that's missing majorly but i uh actually i talked to um someone from approach uh like okay. a gym management software i don't know if you're familiar with them at all uh it's a fairly new system right yeah, they're um so one of their things is kind of getting everything down into one app. Um okay. so like for the customer. So they're putting a route setting software that they're gonna integrate with their platform where uh on the like gym owner side it tracks your turnover, mm -hmm. uh like what what you have on your walls, and then there's a, actually a tab on the app for the customer where it tells you what grades are on what part of the wall, like uh for all of your stations, and then it tells what was reset that day. And then as they climb, they can star, they give ratings. So you're getting feedback like live on your routes. Every That's cool. Day. Uh, so I think something like, something like that'll probably be huge for at least, 
I don't know. I think there's this like subjective, like what's a good route. You know what I mean? It's, I think it's different for everybody. Exactly. So it's like, I think at least trying to dial in the, that data a little bit should be helpful. Yeah. I'd be really excited to see how that goes. Uh, like you said, climbing is extremely subject subjective and that's because we all have different like body types, genetics, predispositions to being really good at something or not good at something else. So I tried to bridge that gap with the customer interface by simply staying around the gym and talking to as many people as I could and trying to figure out what their desires in climbing were. So if something that I think that would be really cool to see in a climbing gym is like <clears throat> on day one, give them the whole orientation that we need to give them as far as like safety things go and provide some educational steps for these customers that come into the gym. Like, um, I don't know, do you see yourself sticking to this sport for a long time? Um, maybe this is like an after the first day little interview or questionnaire that you give them. Um, and that may just like connect the community and the like staff and the management of the gym a little bit more so that everyone feels like they're given this like good attention at the climbing gym instead of just like showing up. All right, here's some shoes. Here's a chalk bag. Here's a rope. Here's a blade of ice. Now go have fun. Like a little bit more like, okay, so here's everything you need to know from day one on what climbing is a little bit of history, a little bit of hold usage, terminology, jargon, all those things that will help you be like, oh, well that's, this is what climbing is because someone coming into it for the first time is not going to know all that unless they've put in the research ahead of time. Um, so I think like not only education on the back end for root setters is very important in the future, but also on the front end for customers, letting them know that route setting and climbing is very subjective, that it's not healthy to attach your ego or your personal achievements to a grade on a climb that some random person decides to call it. Um, I see a lot of people... I definitely have struggled with this in the past, like build up a very um, unhealthy negative reinforcements on how you approach climbing. And that's something that I constantly am dealing with. And I think that helping others has allowed me to see this flaw in myself so that I, we can all come out of it a little bit healthier and happy. Yeah, I definitely think it takes a, uh, a different kind of person to teach because, I mean, you can know and learn and uh, like people will come in like route settles or learn information and they'll learn how to route set and all that. But I think it definitely takes a different kind of person to be able to turn around, put that into something and teach it to other people, which is what you're trying to do, which I think is really cool. Thanks. Uh, so I think that's got to be uh, that's definitely got to be like a, a part of the future with all of this, because I, it, I mean, naturally, route setters get hidden from the general public of the gym just out of you want to get it done while there's not a lot of people in there. So like, I feel like a lot of people don't get to connect what's actually going on and the thought that goes into it and everything that goes into what they're, and I feel as well, there's a, a big gym boom everywhere right now because it, mm -hmm. everyone's getting into climbing and you don't necessarily have to have outdoor climbing anymore where you live. But I feel like that also keeps people from being able to even relate what they're doing on the wall like i think one cool thing um that triangle did 
uh, was I think they had they had that wall that was sort of like it was in the bouldering room and it would have like information on it and it would tell you like what kind of move this was and how mm-hmm. you did it and certain things that like you they taught you how to do certain moves and I haven't seen I guess as much of that in some other places where there's I think there could be a lot more of actually showing people like what were you aiming for on this route like what's the point of like what the, what the move was that you were trying to accomplish at one point so they can have the terminology and the names and kind of recognize it as they're doing it. Yeah. Uh, it is very cool. And it's something that I started when I was there and it's basically like, I was like, okay, I have to be here early in the morning and I'm going to be here even sometimes late at night, but I can't do that every single day. So how do I get something out there that just like your average Joe and Jane can walk by and see some words next to some climbs and be like, what, what's going on here? Take a second, look at this little flyer that's got explanation and then like anywhere from three to five climbs right next to it that simulate that specific move type or um, thing that we were trying to teach at the moment in different grade ranges so that people could, you know, feel it out, like do something really easy, say like um, a back flag. Uh, that's one that I really wanted to do, but like the space that we had, I couldn't really get that on the wall because of a vert terrain would have had to use some giant features in order to get that up there. And, you know, I was required to ensure that our turnover stayed the same, that our uh, layout was all uh, to the standards of the upper management of the company. And I just did my best to try to educate climbers while I wasn't there. And while I was there, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm personally going to try to like talk to at least five new people a day and see like, all right, like how long you've been climbing? Like, um, are you enjoying this? Do you like bouldering a sport more? Like, do you have any like goals just like right now off the top of your head that you want to do? Like most of the time, if you ask people those questions, they're going to say that they want to improve in climbing because it's fun. It's a challenge. And it, again, it's fun. Um, so having someone to talk to that might be able to help them improve, I think is important, especially when you start hiring high school students, some college students that aren't necessarily climbers to begin with, it's hard to educate people. So even having like a knowledgeable, like front desk staff is very important. So like, yeah, you can hire those high school students and stuff, but like I think the gym should be training all these people on the history of rock climbing, um, a little bit about route setting, uh, how to belay and spot and all the basic things that they can then like passionately educate the customers. And I keep coming back to like education and that's pretty much what I think the future of route setting is going to be is like a shift in the education for the front end and the back end of the entire industry. Um, like a trade school for route setting would be epic. Like give kids the opportunity to to see that this is a viable career, go to a trade school, like a select amount around the country. I know it can't be put in every single one like that. So like, it's important to understand that this is going to be a long process. Yeah. Just regional ones would be huge Mm -hmm. from the start. Just, I mean, even four to six like locations across the country where you're actually providing uh, a lot of instruction. And I think there's a, uh, 
I don't know how to necessarily solve this, but maybe this could be tied in with that is uh, I think there's one of the, the saddest things in the world to me is some of these locations that don't have as much outdoor climbing and have a lot of new people coming in. They've built these massive features uh, for the lead climbing only areas. And they're the most beautiful thing in the gym. They're the big standout feature. There's a ton of beautiful routes on them. And there's like one person climbing them Yeah, because no one has their, no one knows how to do it. So there's, and I don't think, I mean, it's not that gyms aren't pushing those classes and having those classes to teach lead climbing, but I there's just, a barrier to get into those classes though. Yeah. So it's like, it's tough getting to the, getting people to even feel the, like the need or ability to take those classes. And I think that there's like a lot of wasted space in gyms where that's not getting used and getting taught. So maybe that could be something that's tied in with uh, the route setting mm-hmm. thing is that just to make some more income for the place would be getting all of the surrounding gyms to start outsourcing their training classes over to there, or at least getting people lead certified. Nice. Yeah. That's a good theory. Um, I tried to bridge the gap by setting the easiest possible climbs on the most difficult terrain possible. And even that like subjectively like 510B is like what I find to be one of the easiest grades you can get onto like a slightly overhanging lead terrain given like you need more knowledge, more skills to do that. Like you're taking a much higher risk lead climbing to begin with. And like, I personally stayed after in my personal time and like taught at least half a dozen people how to lead climb within a few months, just cause I was like, like, I want to see more people on the stuff that I set. So I want to see how they're reacting. If it's successful, if it's a failure, like find something to learn from. And yeah, my way of doing that was getting more people on it. And the only way to do that is to teach. So, um, I don't know if it's apparent, but, I kind of have this uh, teaching spirit in me and would love to share as much that I have been taught from many mentors in the past five to seven years um, and colleagues alike who have been in the industry less time than me, longer than me. Everyone has something to teach because as soon as you're done learning, you've stopped growing. And that's kind of my mentality right now in life. Uh, to just kind of continue growing. Yeah, well, we'll have to stay in contact about some of this because we are in the somewhat of the perfect area for, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people that can reach here from below us and above us Mm -hmm. to the west. So uh, it'd probably be a good spot for uh, something like what we're talking about. But uh, because my partner is a, um, I don't know, I mean, you know Nick a little bit, but he's I've talked to him uh, once or twice and it's, Good to put you both together and understand what you guys are doing. And I'm just yeah. super excited to see your facility come from the ground up and be a success. He won teacher of the year his first year at the high school he was teaching at. And uh, he just that's his thing is he loves education and he loves teaching people. So that's the, one of our big, that's why we didn't compromise on, we could have easily not gone through the entire struggle of a process we're going through right now. If we had just gone bouldering, Mm-hmm. Uh, but we ended up, we, we want to have our rope wall so that we can have all of the instruction for everything from top to bottom. We want to be able to teach people Very everything cool. they can do in climbing. So we didn't, 
yeah, we just didn't compromise on doing that. Now, maybe our next facility, we might go a little more, uh, like bouldering focus. We're actually, I, I still think a huge thing right now is the training boards and all of the, uh, like the led boards that are coming out. Yeah. Ian over at kilter has a lot of really good ideas when it comes to the training boards and he, they already have a really successful one out right now. But I, after talking to him, know that this is not the end. Uh, there will be more bigger and better things oh, yeah. coming out of like the training side of climbing. And that could mitigate the necessity of route setting for the top end slightly. You know, that doesn't take away um, the customers that still come in who are pretty strong. Uh, but it definitely takes away more of the like the competition setting necessary. Yeah, it's cool to see all these flary jumps and cool intricate moves, uh, but it's it's hard to come by outside and it's uh, a little bit harder to step into for the first time. So finding something that's a little bit more rudimentary, uh, more towards the heart of climbing, which is like you go look at like the history of climbing. You, you didn't have dynamic movement until like um, probably the early 90s. Like that's when that kind of started. Chris Sharma was one of the guys that was like, I'm just going to fling myself around and see what happens. And like he's basically been the the leader in dynamic movement. Therefore, probably like the entire competition world exists because of this one kid back in the 90s decided he was going to just like rampage through the world and – show everybody a new way to climb. Um, whereas before that you're climbing in boots and like very static movement. And that's like, that's what climbing is. Um, but you can find it in other ways as well. So yeah, like these training light led walls are probably gonna help the people who really want to try hard and train have a space to do that. And while still having the commercial side of the gym that's reset by route setters to help educate new and intermediate and advanced climbers alike. Yeah. I think that's going to be, uh, it's going to be, that's where we got a kilter board for, uh, cause that. we're not with such a small, uh, yeah, we have a 12 by 12 we're going to put in cool. and just with the small, uh, like nature of our gym, it's going to be tough to accommodate, a lot of those higher end climbers, they're going to be in there that need something more than we can set. So that's why we put the kilter board in because they can, that, that'll just never end. They'll find mm -hmm. enough stuff on there to do for as long as we're open. Exactly. But I think uh, one thing I learned interesting yesterday was that uh, the, so I guess the route setting culture over in England is 90% freelance. Yep. Like yeah. it's, they don't have, it's all just, they're traveling around setting. And I know it's a little smaller over there, but like, uh, like the, I guess physically smaller than the United States. But, uh, do you think density, they, they've got a ton of climbers. Yeah. Like, do you think that's going to take on over here a lot more? Cause I do think that like, I would love to see it happen. Yeah. You end up getting some staleness from having the same crew setting the same holds on the same walls over and over again. I mean, you can get creative, but it's like inevitably you're just going to have some sort of level of staleness with the same minds on the same walls every day. Yeah. So like one thing that you, you see happening is like an increase in new holds really helps the current route setting team be more motivated uh, because basically they have more tools to work with to 
try new movement and create new things, give you a different visual pleasure. Because like, as Gordon Ramsay says, you eat with your eyes first. So like, if you're not going to be engaged by the thing that you're looking at, at the climbing gym, you're really not going to go do it unless you're like a, an avid climber who knows what they're looking for is like, okay, I'm looking for like super small crimps on a slightly overhanging face today. That's what I want to climb. But if you're just kind of like popping into the climbing world for the first couple months, like you're going to walk in and it's going to be like a kid in a candy store. You're just going to be overwhelmed by all of the things happening. And like, if you can find something that's going to draw somebody in awesome. Um, so as far as like, freelance setting goes i think that it's a possibility here in the states and it kind of is starting to take shape uh through a few different companies out there i hope to be one that opens up and that we can all just collaborate together because there's so much space so many climbing walls there's no room like no need to compete with one another essentially if we work together we're all gonna have more fun uh we're all gonna be able to work in cool places with cool people. Um, and that's going to allow the customers, like you were saying, to have a more diverse style in their gym. Um, I personally have talked with, uh, one of the companies in Europe to see how they have gotten to where they are. Cause I, I'd say that they are like three to five years ahead of us in the route setting, like scheme of uh, contract route setting, traveling for the job, actually making it a job. They've got a course that they do through different gyms that they set at. So they don't have like a structured facility yet. Um, but I'm sure that'll happen in the near future. Um, so yeah, like it's definitely feasible. It would allow the education to diversify, allowing more people to be in the industry, travel across the country. And one big thing that I see that that does for root setters, like for me, like I love root setting, but if I was to be honest, I love climbing more because that's why I got into this. Like I got into it because I loved climbing. And then I realized, oh wait, there's this thing that I can do that will make me better at climbing. And I can teach other people how to understand movement and get people excited. And like, basically, if I can make some one person smile a day, it makes my day. And if that's a smile through frustration because they're on something they chose to be on, awesome. But if it's a smile after a send, even better. Um, so just time will tell and we'll get some sort of contract route setting up in the country. I'm sure you and I will talk more and I'll have more to share in a few months, maybe even so. Awesome. Yeah, I think there's still going to be I, I wonder if what I didn't ask is if they still have uh, I guess like someone has to be keeping track at the gym of what they need on the walls when the setters show up. So I guess there's still going to be a need for like kind of organizing the companies that run this like travel route setting program in England. They manage that they they are the ones who decide what goes into the gyms. And basically the gym owners have entrusted their knowledge or the knowledge of the root setters to do what's best for the community. Um, I'm sure there could be like, um, like I was saying, understanding your customer base. So like um, if one gym says like, Hey, like we live right next, we live 20 minutes away for some like really nice bouldering here in the UK. We want 
a training specific gym that's going to get reset. Cool. These people will take care of that. 30 minutes away, there's the same gym chain and they want a different gym that's going to be more beginner based. Those route setters are going to know exactly what to do with that. And the only way that they know what to how to provide that product is through practice and education. And like for me, I've I've been in this industry um, just about seven years now, as far as like I started uh, coaching youth athletes uh, down in Georgia, uh, made my way up to Richmond uh, about three years ago. And since then, I've like worked in maybe close to 30 different climbing gym facilities across the States, uh, working with all kinds of people. And I tell you, like route setters across the country are stoked on this. They would love to climb in new places. So back to like, I'm a climber. There's this theory of um, imposter syndrome. Basically like me as a route setter, if I live somewhere that there's not much, much rocks and I can't ever get outside and like find more inspiration through outdoor rock climbing, it's going to be hard for me to like have that motivation, that creativity to provide the best routes for everyone. So this travel program would also allow route setters who may develop such symptoms the possibility to travel and then climb in the places near climbing gyms that have the stuff and then sacrifice a little bit of their time to be in places where there's not much climbing only to know that soon they will move towards another goal, working with more people, making an impact on the whole community. So it's just, there's a lot of facets to it and lots of planning is happening. Yeah. It's just going to take, it's going to take some time and just everybody getting into it. Cause I mean, it really is like the, the more popular this gets, the more power the route setters have in the negotiations of how this is all going to go down. Cause I mean, essentially if everyone just said, Hey, we're all going to freelance now, like we're, st we'll still set for you. There's no problem with that. It's just, we want to go set everywhere else and go learn and climb all these other spots outdoors. I mean, I don't think there's yeah much that anyone can really do about it. I mean, I'm going to say that it, it's a ballsy move to say that as a root setter right now because there becomes an yeah. an uncertainty to where your next paycheck's coming from. Um, and that's, that's extremely stressful. I've been in that scenario and now I'm trying to understand like how to balance that out a little bit more so that I can then um, get to a uh, more stable place to provide like these different route setting gigs for other people so that they don't have to do that work to find the gigs that they could come to say a travel route setting program and be hired by someone like me possibly who then will say like, okay, so we've got a job out in California. We got a job in New Mexico. We got a job in Texas. Actually we got four jobs in Texas cause they're opening like a shit ton of climbing gyms. We got some in Tennessee. We got some, up in Chicago. Shoot, Florida. Boom. Yeah, Florida. They are popping off too, but they have no climbing. So like, yep. just like sending people out to these places to help with opening resets and all this is going to be important, but not just opening resets, but like commercial turnover, you know? So. Yeah, that's one of the challenges I was talking about with Ian was um, like we were both talking about doing like smaller. He thinks that like there's a lot of people out there apparently right now actually that are uh, really interested in like the 5,000 square foot gym idea like we're doing where it's a little 
it's more reasonable to go to the bank for it's uh you can accommodate more specific crowds of people it's almost like that crossfit atmosphere where it's like you're all there for the same purpose you kind of like it's small enough where you all know each other you're in mm-hmm. there for so kind of doing a bunch of different versions of that for different communities like the the beginners and the commercial like parties and uh, training and stuff like that so yeah there's um I, a very similar gym to the uh, design that you were telling me about called Blockworks over in Oklahoma that I got to visit. Super well-designed gym. They have a kilter board featured in the middle of their gym and about 4,000 feet of bouldering surrounding it. And it seemed to be a very tight-knit community over there. And I think that's because of the way that the gym was designed. Like you had no option but to be near other people. Uh, yes, I know that's a, a bit of a touchy subject for some uh, through COVID, but thankfully we've seen a little bit more success as we've come out of COVID now. And I think more people are more comfortable with that. And if so, you create just a community of people who are friends and not just like acquaintances who throw their AirPods in and go in for a training session. Yeah. Like, that's fine. But like, yeah, there's a time and a place. And if you're going to be in a, a big, big space, you might make some people feel left out. Like there starts to be like very smaller knit groups within a larger climbing facility that it, it just kind of, it takes away from the, the community aspect of climbing. I personally love to see, uh, anyone succeed in climbing and success is most defined through failure. So when I see somebody trying really hard and they have like fallen off the wall, that really sparks joy in me because these people chose to do that. They chose to try hard. They chose to push themselves. And that's scary right there. Like, don't get me wrong. I've been in a lot of scary places, but like simply just trying hard, choosing to try hard is a scary thing. And I just want to like share my passion with climbing to all of those who want to listen. And if they don't want to listen, then I find someone to talk to. I think one of my favorite looks in people is uh, when I'll, I'll watch them climb. Some of that's like, you can tell they've not been in there very often that they've been in there before mm-hmm. and they'll get on a rope and start climbing and they just, they're not really paying attention, but they're just going up, up, up. And then they get to the top and they look down and they're like, Oh, I just, <laughs> yeah, I just did that. They're like, Oh my goodness. There's some people just don't even, they don't even realize as they're, they're just kind of in that flow state yep. and they get all the way to the top and they're like, I am 50 feet in the air right now. Like exactly. that is, <laughs> so I've, I've always seen that happen to quite a few times, but Uh, So one thing I was talking about is one of the issues that I guess we're having right now. And that's not that we're having, but that uh, it just exists with a space as small as ours, like kind of doing that smaller thing is that, I mean, like on average, uh, I mean, of course, depends on the grade, but you can probably set like anywhere from like five to eight boulders in a day, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Is that, I feel like that's around there. Like, uh, I feel like that's a fair number to make sure that they're all quality level climbs. Um, I would not ask that of someone who just started root setting though. I would probably yeah. see that number decrease by two or three and then you have that range. I, I guess our issue that I'm getting at is that we like, uh, we don't have 
enough setting to offer more like a full team of people full time, mm -hmm. like maybe even not enough for one person full time. Okay. Like, Cause if we've got, we've got probably enough room for maybe 30 rope routes. Um, technically it's, it's 10 stations, but I think they're a little bit more spread out than average. Okay. So, uh, um, so we should be able to fit if we pack it densely, like probably around 30, um, maybe a little bit less, but, uh, and probably something similar on the bouldering side, maybe a little bit more. Cause it's actually like an L, uh, instead of just a straight line. Yep. So maybe 35, uh, or so on there. So, I mean, at the rate over a month that we're trying to turn the gym around, we want to do it at least every 30, basically your membership buys a new set every month, uh, I think that's fair. Like I try to push the turnover rate to be as fast as possible with the highest quality. And that's sometimes a detriment on the physical workload to the staff. So like understanding how to structure that so that your yeah. staff stays psyched and healthy is important. Um, cause injuries happen all the time. Yeah. It's tough to figure out. Like, uh, that's where I think the freelance setting is necessary because we don't, I can't hire a, a I can't hire two full-time setters and if I hire one full-time setter it's going to take away that's one person setting all that's one mind mm -hmm. and one set of eyes and ear uh, every on everything and it's like that's not really going to produce the quality that I want so it's right. almost like we're figuring out how to get contract how to get setters to come from like other right now to even be able to constantly be turning routes over and it's almost like it might come down to being uh maybe like one day a week if not less than that where we just have a group of people come in strip the walls reset and get out of there and that's pretty much what the the folks over in england do is they have a whole team comes around does the work gets out of there and as long as i think your facility is educating your climbers on what climbing is that's okay uh, but if they're not, I think the root setters need to step up and do that until there is a different change in the industry. Um, I think that's completely fair to see uh, a space of 5,000 square feet reset by a team of eight, maybe 10 in a day. Like, I think that's feasible. Yeah. And then, like, find a like uh, travel route setting program or consulting business and have them come around like once a month. I wouldn't say it's probably going to end up being cheaper, but it's probably going to be much less complicated and probably produce a lot better quality mm -hmm. if, and not be even that much different in price when you've got, you don't have the setup and breakdown times of every day. Someone setting where you just have one crew come in, they have one setup time, one breakdown time, and that's all you're paying for every month. I'm sure that balances out somewhere in payroll. Like, and you've got payroll to deal with. Not to mention benefits is another thing that a business would not have to pay up front. Uh, you pay, yeah. You pay the contractors, and they have their own insurance and their own uh, li liability insurance, health insurance, dental, and I, you know, like they have all that covered with the program they work for. And then for you guys, you're just like, okay, here's the service that we need. Here's what we can offer you okay, cool. Here's what we can provide at that rate. Does that sound good to you? Maybe there has to be like a little bit of, um, back and forth communication to understand that, um, 
if you find a crew that's not going to be able to fulfill the, the needs of your gym in the one day, maybe two days a month, like it's definitely way less than like every single day. Cause for me, I swear for the past four years now, I have worked four, if not five days a week with a drill in my hand up until recently. And the only way that I did that is by making sure I went to bed early, making sure I ate enough food, making sure that I did at least an hour of rehab on necessary parts of my body that were hurting or stressed or inflamed or injured so that I could continue doing the job. And it just drains you so physically that it takes a toll on your mental health. Um, so that that's just my experience. And continued rehabilitation practice has probably been the thing that's kept me in at least a couple pieces in this industry. So yeah, more people route setting is probably the answer. And in order to make sure these people know what they're doing, they got to get educated and then they can come to you with this contract fee and provide excellent route setting once, twice a month. And then boom, like your customers are happy. You guys are happy. Route setters are happy. Everybody's happy. Yeah. And I think that'll bring more, like it'll have to evolve into what it's going to be, mm-hmm. but I think that it'll kind of take away the like uh, transactional nature of like paying someone hourly to set routes where now it's a flat rate mm-hmm. uh, and that'll, and that, that could also go both ways where it's like, it's a flat rate. They get in and they get out as fast as possible, but I think that's where it's going to come to reputation and then building those reputations is what will actually eventually improve route setting in general is when you get the people who have the reputations after doing it properly. And it's going to take some people doing it improperly to learn what that means, but Mm -hmm. that's just the nature of it. And I think that's going to be kind of the next evolution is kind of getting those, I guess, route setting troops evolved and getting the freelance market set up because I think that's going to be definitely the next step. Cause I don't, I just don't see the way it's going uh, staying the same because there's just a, a huge shortage right now of setters and it's it, it, it's the same thing. If you look at, in my mind, if you look at an industry and there's a shortage in it, it's most likely that it's either not that hard of a job to do and it doesn't pay that well or it just doesn't pay that well in general and this is something that is very hard to do and like it doesn't pay very well. Yeah. So that's, there's naturally a shortage in it. Like this I is going to happen. And until you, if there was, go ahead. I was going to say like the original way that people like brought route setters in is you got like, um, the strong guns of the local area that were just like, uh, let's just be honest, too broke to afford a climbing gym membership. So they traded their skills of route setting I mean, there may have been some skill, lots of skill. They traded the skills that they had for a free membership. And climbing gyms around the country still do that. Like, uh, I know there's a number of them that still do. Um, I think that that was of the past um, because now climbing gyms like yourself, you're trying to open up a successful business to get people interested. You need that high quality product. And you can't get that from someone who's inexperienced only working for like the climbing gym. Like realistically, route setting is a selfless job where you have to think of others 
all day long and how to set climbs for them instead of yourself. If you're lucky enough to have the space, the holds and the time to do that as well, great. Set yourself a really hard project, a really cool intricate climb that like you're going to get some joy out of, but that's probably like 3% out of your entire route setting day, if not time in route setting. So it's just going to be a process of getting to there, like you said. And I personally have had a couple of days where I've learned the things that you shouldn't do by doing it. Uh, making that mistake is something how the way you learn. Um, and hopefully I can take all of the mistakes that I've made um, and grow better from it and create something with the help of like passionate friends who want to do this as well a successful market of like travel route setters who are just the lifeblood of the industry really. Well, yeah, I, uh, I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, you want to tell people where they can find you at on social media and all that. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I have two social media pages. Uh, my personal is, uh, Levi Dudley. Uh, my professional one is, uh, not dead yet setting. Uh, and basically on that professional account, uh, you can find, um, beta from boulders mostly right now. Cause it's a little bit harder to get the content, um, of roots. Uh, basically if you look at these travel setting programs, they're all a little bit more focused towards like uh, boulder setting right now. Uh, and I think that that should change, uh, because roots are just as important as boulders. Um, and yeah, um, you can check it out. You can see route setters from across the country who have been in the industry for a short amount of time, a long time. Um, and just like some how to beta on climbing outside or getting into the gym technique, all this other stuff. It's a little bit of everything. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, it's good talking to you. I appreciate the time. Yeah. We'll thanks uh, for having do me, it again and I'll, I'm sure we'll be in, we'll be in touch soon. I think, uh, like I said, we're going to do, uh, a big opening set. So I'm sure we'll be in contact with you for cool. coming to help with that. Yeah. Or, I'm excited. Let me know. Awesome, dude. Well, I'll talk to you again soon. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Yeah. Take it easy. Bye.